0: How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Extra Pass Podcast. Today is our NBA Finals preview, but before we jump into that, we want to recap the uh, Clippers and Hawks seasons as they were quite sadly put to an end last week at the hands of the Suns and the Bucks. So um, for the Hawks, I guess we'll start in the Eastern Conference. You know, Trey with the bone bruise in his foot, kind of knocked some wind out of him going into the final stretch. Um, he actually shot nine for 40 in elimination games. Oof that's a rough this stat. postseason which is yeah it's it's a really tough stat but obviously like the the bone bruise games factoring into that he didn't look 100 in that yeah, game he was very much not okay
1: he couldn't he couldn't be brooke lopez on the perimeter that's no. how you know trey Young. <laughs> he's not 100 percent.
0: but you know what at the same time and this will i think this will apply to the clippers too surprisingly this was a successful season for the hawks especially for atlanta because they defied everyone's expectations I mean, we pinned them as a playoff team and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. did too, but to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals pushing the Bucks to six. Yeah. That was unexpected. It was and... absolutely
1: a shock to see them beat the Sixers. Oh I mean, yeah. It was no it was absurd.
0: About it. And I mean, obviously that <laughs> that led to its own like cataclysm in Philly, but for Atlanta, I mean, this is a legitimate young core now. And I feel like there were a lot of players that Going into the postseason, people were unsure about, but mm-hmm. have kind of like made a name for themselves. I mean, Kevin Herter comes to mind. Yep, Cam Reddish, um, and obviously they have other young players too that yeah, didn't and, even get I to mean, play. DeAndre Hunter
1: was hurt, and yeah. he might be the best of their young players outside of Trey Young and Cam you know? Reddish. Maybe I don't so. Know. Yeah, again, Cam Reddish needs to show show a little bit more for me because he has been honestly bad in
0: his first one of NBC seasons. But yeah.
1: that man has so much potential. His yeah. bag is crazy. I
0: mean, he, he was showing it out in game mm-hmm. six. I mean, oh, yeah. what do you have, like 20, 28 points, six yeah, threes made? Like yeah, like Like Cam Reddish, honestly, could be the best player from that class at Duke in like seven years All just right. based on we're his role. Going, I'm not going there. Arj- better than R.J. Barrett at uh, least. He's definitely better be than R.J. He's not going to be better than He's Zion. Not better than Zion, but I don't know. Maybe in seven years we have to see how, no. how Zion's knees hold up, but Cam Reddish could be like a really valuable player, and I mean he – like in that series for the Hawks, he was. I mean, he returned what, like Game Two or Game Three?
1: I think Game Four. Yeah, and but immediately, like you could feel He was great his on impact. defense immediately. Yeah. Great on
0: defense, hitting open shots. Um, so yeah, I mean, like with him coming out and be playing so well, Kevin Herter having crazy games, like I it's think, starting to look like they're a legitimate contender for a little bit, for yeah. a little while.
1: Anyeka Kongwo, I think, really uh, showed out too. He mm-hmm. was so great on defense, uh, both. Against the Sixers and against the Bucks, um, I was super high on him in the draft, and you know, I think he's a guy who, again, be part of their core for a long time. And like, I, I think Bogey uh, showed how how good of a player he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was like he was so key in that Sixer series, especially before he hurt his knee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I again, shout out to the Hawks. I I did not, you know, I was not as high on them as i think most people were and even you but Mm. they definitely proved me wrong this is absolutely a a fantastic team and you know a true uh team to look out for in the eastern conference in the future i mean that young core again it'll kind of be a problem with re-signing them because they were all you know drafted around the same years but you know if they can keep that core together or at least a lot of that core together or you know deal some of those guys to make a, a star trade i mean it's a team to look out for in the future
0: so the good news for them is that they don't really have a ton of free agents from their building blocks, but one big name that stands out is John Collins, mm-hmm. who will be a restricted free agent. There's been a lot of talk that he wants max contract money, and when you look at all the players that they're going to have to pay in the coming years... You can't give John Collins you that can't. max. You really can't. And it's tough, though, because John Collins, I mean, he played really well. He's a great player, and I feel like... To, I don't know, like when you watch him, it's like his game isn't even fully matured yet, and he's still putting up pretty good numbers and like scoring at multiple levels. So that's kind of a tough decision for them.
1: Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think they should move on from John Collins again, not as I dis- I don't mean that as a disrespect to him. I really like John Collins and mm-hmm. he was really good on defense, this playoffs, uh, which meant a lot for me because that was probably the biggest question I had for him. But uh, I think, you know, Deandre Hunter is a long-term four and uh, John Collins is best used as like a, a role man to the basket. And when you got mm-hmm. Clint Capella on the floor, you know, naturally, because he doesn't space where he's going to be your main role guy. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, limits John Collins you know, ability to, you know, put his in- impact the game. Um. So I think, you know, for that reason, they, they should move on from him. But, you know, even without him, the young core, again, we talked about it still great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So shifting gears to the Western Conference, um, semi-finalists, the LA Clippers, the Clippers kind of I mean, honestly, I think they got a really tough shake because with a healthy Kawhi Leonard, they beat the Suns. I would have no doubt in that. Given how close the series was without him, Mm -hmm. I mean, you really can't disrespect him that much. Like, you put him in that series, and Clippers probably win in five or six. Yeah, I agree. It sounds weird to say that, too, because the Suns, you know, like, you got to give them their credit. They look great. They've got, you know, a pretty well-rounded roster. But at the same time, the Clippers were so close, and they really pushed the Suns to the brink completely undermanned. Um, they had a lot of, like, marquee performances from some younger guys too and from some older guys who's really started to kind of, like, redefine themselves this playoffs. I'm thinking of Reggie Jackson yep. mainly who's going to pick up a nice little bag this offseason. Marcus Morris having some mm-hmm. incredible games. Pat Bev played great down the stretch. Um, didn't conduct himself too well after the game. but No, that was um, bad. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers are another team that I think, despite – how disappointing it kind of seems considering they're in like, very clearly in win now mode you know like to not win a championship will always seem like a disappointment through that lens but realistically they make their first Western conference finals in, in franchise history fr- franchise history um they I mean they Paul George proves that he can be the guy which they desperately need since he's locked up long term mm-hmm. with them um so like to see him play well in the playoffs was tr- huge. You, get, you have a good feeling that Kawhi's going to re-sign in the offseason. And honestly, I mean, they have some pretty solid pieces to build around oh, to sure. run it back next year. You know, a lot of people will be quick to dismiss them because we've given them two years and we haven't seen anything yet. But honestly, next year, watch out. If Kawhi's healthy and he re-signs, um, again, they're probably going to lose Reggie Jackson in free agency, if I had to guess. I feel like someone's going to overpay for him. Um, obviously, Kawhi, free agent um, with a player option. Jabaka is a free agent Nick Batum, unrestricted free agent but again, that core is still pretty intact and it's a team that we saw do some serious damage. Yeah, I agree and I think, you know, the main thing the Clippers showed for me was some real
1: resiliency, you know, Mm -hmm. after choking the 3-1 lead against the Nuggets last year now to come out this year and then come back from 2-0 deficits I think that was huge Um, you know And as you said, so many of the role players on this team really, really performed in the playoffs. And this is a team that is going to have, you know, some flexibility this offseason, right? So they have a real shot to improve the team, depending on, you know, what moves they make. Even if they do lose Reggie Jackson, you know, I still think they're a threat to get Kyle Lowry, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Which would be incredible for them. You know, there's so many routes this team can take, and... Again, PG, you know, give him his flowers. Like we there's all the pandemic P playoff P stuff last year, right? And and deservedly so, right? He was awful in yeah. the bubble. But this year, uh what was it eighteen straight games with twenty plus points? You Joining know that, some pretty elite company. Oh, that list, absolutely. it was like
0: LeBron, MJ, Kobe, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Some some
1: crazy shit like that. And um then, you know, having that huge even, you know, in the loss in game six, yep. what do you have? Forty one? Mm-hmm right? So, you know... Dropping near triple doubles. Exactly. You know, his playmaking was great. Again, shout out to, to PG for, you know, proving himself and shutting the haters up uh, with this playoff run.
0: Yeah, that goes for a lot of the players on the Clippers, but I'm kind of excited to see them next season. I feel like they're a team that, you know, like three years ago, if you were to project outwards once they signed Kawhi and PG, like you have a pretty fair shot of saying that they'd win a championship with that core constructed mm-hmm. and although they came up short this year i mean honestly who knows what happens if Kawhi's healthy and they're playing the bucks in this next round you know like i wouldn't doubt the clippers would get a championship yeah, this I year the, so.
1: i think the cliffs would win that especially you know with Giannis being hurt too
0: yeah and we'll get into that but definitely unfortunate to see injuries you know squash so many teams we've seen it with <laughs> a lot of teams in these playoffs yeah. and the Pretty off every picture. team, quite frankly. Yeah, honestly, every team's star has dealt with something, either their number one star or their number two star. And not to discredit you know, the Suns and Bucks' uh, ultimate destination in the finals, but we'll never know how exactly this would have went down if we didn't have a record number of all-star injuries. So more on that. To recap some of the injuries going into the bucks sun series, the main question on everyone's mind is, how will Giannis play and when will he play? There was no structural damage to his knee despite what looked like a like 40-degree angle. Yeah, unbelievable. And for reference, a 30-degree angle of the knee on a hyperextension is considered like seriously mm-hmm. risky for structural damage to the MCL, the PCL. His was well beyond that, and at first glance, it really looked like it was going to be season-ending and require surgery. How he escaped that with no real damage amazes me, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that the structural integrity of the knee is completely sound. Although there is no damage, um, the tendons can be really stretched out. The tissue can mm-hmm. still be damaged. Um, and though there might not be like a complete tear of anything significant, there will still be like, you know, inflammation and trauma around the joint. So I think you, you mentioned earlier that there's a private workout. For yeah, him. either
1: today or tomorrow in front of, you know, the team doctors and personnel to see, you know, where his knee is at health wise, and whether he'll be ready to go from game one. I heard there was a rumor that said that he would have played in game seven, uh, no matter what. Mm, um, interesting. So you know, game seven would have been on, on the same or would have been tonight, I believe. Um, yeah. So, you know, if that says anything. He he might play in game one, although I think you know I do think it would be best best suited if the if he doesn't play again. I don't know his condition, but. Yeah. Again, just, you know, given the the look of the injury, and as you were saying earlier, there had to have been some, you know, damage to the ligaments, even if there was no, you know, the stru- structural integrity is still there. I'm sure there had to have been at least a sprain of some sort, right? Yeah. It was just still, you know, nothing to play around, especially when if you wait a couple of days and you get him much healthier, mm-hmm. right, it's just worth it more, you know. Exactly. Like, you, you can, you know, on the since they don't have home court advantage, you know, waiting for him to come back until they're at home even, right, mm-hmm. is that even a, a that terrible of a scenario, you know. No, yeah. Going back to home down 0-2, it's not the worst case in the world. Like, many teams have come back from that.
0: Or, um, I mean, you can also just hope that you'll split – exactly you know, the, the first two games and come out one and one which I mean if you if you split the first two games with no Giannis that is a
1: huge win for Milwaukee
0: yeah but honestly given what you said about the game seven theory I really don't yeah, think I don't he's think missing the first two games I, I think if anything will hold him out of game one but you know depending on how this workout goes he could play tomorrow and I think the big thing with this injury aside from the structural integrity because obviously you don't want to risk further injury I mean, we've saw it in 2019 with KD, and I feel like we've seen it way too much this season, although um, it's hard to tell which players were rushed back and which weren't. Um, I mean, like, Jamal Murray comes to mind this previous mm-hmm. season. He was coming off a knee injury. They pushed him back a little bit too soon, and what do you know, tore ACL. You'd hate to see Giannis come back in an effort to be there for his team in Game 1 and just crumple to the floor on an awkward landing. So I think they will play it safe for that reason, and there's a chance he sits out. But even if he does sit out, game one or game two, I would not count the Bucks out because the way that Chris Middleton's been playing in big games this season, and specifically in the last two playoff series, that he gives them a real chance, honestly. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say that he's the Batman and Giannis is the Robin because I still think that was the most brain-dead take I've heard <laughs> yep. in all playoffs. But, I mean, it's still a really solid team. Like They're not in the finals by accident, and yeah, they did absolutely. close out Atlanta two mm-hmm. games in a row without Giannis. Now I don't think Atlanta is on par with Phoenix, per especially se, especially with the hurt Trey Young. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, they showed that they can win ball games. And Devin Booker didn't play great at the end of the Clippers series; he was kind of off for the. I mean, I would say the last three games really. Mm-hmm. It kind of took a, a yeah, Chris Paul masterclass. Bev class. was, you know, giving him fits. Yeah, so I think that it's hard to call this series, and we will get into our predictions in a little bit. But it's really hard to call it at the moment, given the uncertainty around Giannis. If he misses game one and they're in an 0-1 hole, and obviously if they go down 0-2, I mean, I feel a little bit less optimistic than you do. I feel like that's a, that's a tough spot to be in regardless. Um, but that will really just decide this series because right now Phoenix is favored by six points in game one, which is a huge margin for a finals game oh, yeah. one. Like that's that's massive. Normally it's like, you know, a half point point. So that's a big deal. And that really just goes to show how important Giannis is to this team's success um, and I mean, I don't know, it's pretty obvious, like they need yeah. <laughs> him fully healthy to win and that ultimately we will, t- we will have to see. But aside from the Giannis injury, the Suns are entirely healthy. Dante DiVincenzo still out. Um, and that brings us to our keys to the series. So I'll start with the one thing that we've discussed a little bit in previous episodes foreshadowing this matchup. Um, and it's the mid-range game versus the drop coverage that the Bucs will presumably be running with Brooke Lopez at the five. So Devin Booker and Chris Paul, two of the best mid-range mm-hmm. pull-up shooters in the game um, out of the pick and roll. And I feel like I'm, I'm interested to see how the Bucks will play that because they know that that's going to happen. Yeah, they have to. And they're going to have to make mid-game adjustments if Devin Booker and Chris Paul start hitting mid-range shots. Now, whether or not Bud makes the right mid game adjustments, that remains to be seen. I'm just not really sure what that adjustment looks like. Do you put Portis at the five and bench Lopez, who's been playing out of his mind?
1: Yeah, I think there are a multi yeah there are multiple things. I think the first thing you do is you just have to play Brook Lopez very high in the drop. Mm-hmm. right? Now, will he get blown by sometimes? Yes, but. With Chris Paul, you know, being such a short guy and really just not having any explosiveness uh, that he used to, versus Brook Lopez, even with you know him getting a step on him, mm-hmm. Brook Lopez's size will hopefully allow him to recover, right, and you know, uh, make Chris Paul you know worse at the rim than he would be from open mid range, which mm-hmm. you no know, you know how deadly he is from there. I think the bigger problem is Devin Booker. Yeah, a hundred from mid range. You know, uh, he is just as lethal as cp3 and you know but he's got you know just more explosion as a score mm-hmm. i think he will just be a menace for the bucks in the mid-range um but there are definitely other adjustments you can make right uh i think something that people uh do mistake about drop coverage is is they they think about it like it's only on the center when you know there are still two people involved right mm-hmm you know, if Drew can play elite defense on, I, I love his matchup against CP3, mm-hmm. right? He's got the IQ and, and the physicality to really match CP3 and the size to really, you know, bully him around those screens. Uh, Again, in the Lakers series, I thought Wes Matthews did an excellent job of defending CP3. And, you know, although they play very different positions, Wes Matthews and Drew uh Holiday are, are similar body types. So I mm. think I'm really interested to see that matchup because I think that could be really bad for for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as you said earlier, I I am very worried about what Devin Booker is going to do to the team. Uh, I don't really know who you throw at him. Do you throw Chris Middleton at him? Probably. Do you throw PJ at him? Again, I don't know. Uh, but another thing I think you know the Bucks have to do is they have to they have to switch more. Right? They did that towards the end of the Hawks series. Again, they were switching Brook out. Uh, in Game Six, right? I wouldn't go there against Phoenix. I just think you'll get cooked. Mm-hmm. But as you said earlier, whether that is playing Bobby Portis more, or you know, if Giannis does have the mobility, uh, whether that's early in the series or late in the series, play more of him at the five because yeah, 100%. you know, as physically dominant as Aiton is, he's still not a guy who's going to take you into the block and shove you into the basket. Mm-hmm. Right. So Giannis could very well hold up against him. You know, I'd be worried about the boards. Right. If you're playing Giannis at the five, that was a problem for them when they played Giannis at the five uh, against Atlanta. But again, that's a that's a great
0: solution to stopping the mid-range game of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And but to play off of that, you mentioned how they might play Lopez higher in the pick and roll. I mean that that's kind of just giving DeAndre Ayton free looks mm-hmm. at the rim. And, yeah, you know he rolls down to the rim so fast that if you're playing Brook Lopez high, I don't think he'd be able to recover in time. Yeah, the hope again, the hope there is that you know you have the best help side
1: defender in basketball yeah. back healthy. Exactly. Right. So yeah, you know, I guess you said you know playing Brook high gets a lot harder if you don't have Giannis. Hmm.
0: One hundred percent. All right. Um.
1: Actually, so. can I go on a, on a little side tangent here? Um, yeah. This has been something that has been irritating me for to no end for the last few weeks um, is that, you know, Chris Paul's mid-range game is anti-analytics. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I keep seeing all these people who do not understand analytics talk about how, you know, all this mid-range shooting shows that analytics are trash, which it does not show that. Mm-hmm. Analytics... Thoroughly approve of Devin Booker and Chris Paul's mid-range jump shooting. Yeah, uh, it's so frustrating. But yeah, that's enough.
0: I feel like that's kind of just larger commentary coming from people who think the mid-range game is dead. Mm-hmm. And it's only true if you're not good at shooting exactly. mid-range shots. I, but if you're a, a elite in that area, you know, like it's gonna be a productive. Yeah, possession. there's a
1: great you know graph I saw that showed that you know the, while obviously you know the great players are shooting less mid ranges the vast majority of mid-range jump shots that have gone away are spot up mid-ranges from role players right mm-hmm. they have just turned into threes you know they, com- they should be They're exactly like those if you're, shots like, should if you're be. complaining about that i'm sorry i don't know what you're
0: what you're doing yeah i mean if yeah if that's like your shot and you've been playing the league for 16 years and you can knock it down i don't know like what do you think he shoots from that like right around the free throw line who chris ball yeah I believe this season he shot like fifty four percent from that right yeah, elbow. I mean, are you kidding me? I'll take that every every yeah. time. Again, every that's, time.
1: That's one point oh eight points per possession. Yeah, that's right. Elite. That's, that's elite. elite. So that's elite
0: half court offense. Okay, so that that's one of our keys to the series. Any other specific scenarios that come to mind with these matchups? Or we're gonna dig into X factors and matchups in a second, but any schemes or tendencies that you think are gonna stick out? Um, I think
1: back to. The Suns' offense versus the Milwaukee defense. I'm very interested to see how DeAndre Ayton fares against the pure size of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, you look at the teams that he faced earlier. Obviously, you know the, he played great against LA. But a lot of what made his performance so great against LA was, you know, him just running right past, you know, Chris Paul bullying Marcus All in the pick and roll, and you know, mm-hmm. Ayton getting easy looks. Uh, and obviously, AD was hurt. You know, after Game Three, you know, yeah. obviously that very much limits the Laker size. Denver again, not Jokic is a big guy, but he's not an athletic guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then although the I Klick, thought
0: I thought Aiden did a good job physically against Jokic. Oh, absolutely. You know, like I mean, on defense for sure. On defense for sure, he, he would have incredible. Yeah. But I'm
1: talking about more on the offensive end. Okay. I know how physical and how great Aiden will hopefully will be on on defense, yeah. but um, you know, I am a. A little bit, not, again, worried because he, he is such a great finisher anyways, but I don't think it'll be, you know, such easy sledding mm. for Aiton. Again, especially if Giannis comes back uh, yeah, in this 100%. series. You know, the Bucks are so focused on taking away the rim at all costs. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see with him, you know, with a possibly diminished impact, how the Suns fare because, you know, you can make a serious argument that he has been their second best
0: player this playoffs. I mean, he yeah. has
1: been that good. 100%.
0: All right, so to dig into some X-Factor players, I've got a few from each team, but let's go one at a time. Um, I think a big one for me on the Suns is campaign. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people kind of noticed towards the end of the Clippers series that Chris Paul wasn't playing that well, and they were doing better with him off the court. Now, you could attribute this to a lot of things, and honestly, I don't even know if it's indicative of his play specifically. I feel like it's kind of just, it's a weird stat. Because, I mean, he played well. And in yeah. game six, he had one of the best games of his playoff mm-hmm. career. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like the Suns need to thrive in transition against Milwaukee. And exactly, Campaign yeah. is the guy who's going to mm-hmm. push the pace, whereas Chris Paul is going to settle things in the half court. So if Campaign can keep playing like he did in the beginning of the Clipper series before he got hurt, um, I, he's a player that could, you know, make a sneaky case for their second best player in this series.
1: Yeah, I think. You know, an X Factor that I have for Milwaukee is P.J. Tucker. He has to start making some of those corner threes. Mm -hmm. You know, he has been great, absolutely fantastic on defense and with the hustle and with the offensive rebounds in the playoffs so far. But that man has been a straight brick from the corner. Which he's normally one of the best shooters in the league. Again, last season, he was the best corner three-point shooter in the league. Houston, P.J. Tucker, we need that man back right now because he is on ghost mode, like it is just disgusting. He is passing up wide-open shots. Mm. You know, if he is playing 30 minutes a game and going one for seven from three, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're beating a team of this caliber if you're have if you playing four on five on offense, yeah. right? It, you know, another thing this whole playoffs has taught me is that you need guys who are threats at all five positions on the floor. Mm-hmm. You need guys who can do something with the ball in their hands, whether that's just shoot. Just finish. They need to be able to do something on offense, and yeah. if PJ Tucker is not providing anything on offense, I just he's don't clogging the, the floor. Especially if Giannis. Again, I don't think there's any way Giannis will be 100 back all the way, right? I just, you know, PJ needs
0: to step up. Yeah, 100 to go along with the Giannis absence. I think a big player for the Bucks should be Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. If he's given the minutes, which I can't believe he wouldn't be in this scenario, yeah, he'll definitely get minutes this series. Yeah. Like, I think that he needs to really fill the void for a few games, um, assuming that Giannis either isn't playing as many minutes as he should be or isn't fully healthy. I think we saw flashes of Bobby Portis playing really great basketball when given a chance. What do you have? Like, 22 points in game six, playoff career high. Yeah. Um, I think if he can keep up that high level of play. That will really shore things up at the 4 for them. Because, I mean, they need that. And I feel like he's so underrated. Like, it's it's really weird that a player that can do so many things, like, there aren't too many weaknesses in his game. And yeah, yet, I don't know how he got only signed to the, uh, like, a taxpayer mid-level exception for, like, yeah. 5 mil. What? And how he's still been disrespected in the rotations, in my opinion, mm-hmm. by Mike Budenholzer. But he really needs to step up, especially in Game 1. Um, for them to have a chance, I mean, we talked about the pick and roll vulnerabilities that Milwaukee will encounter. I feel like he's a player that can really help them with that. Mm-hmm.
1: I think another key player for Phoenix is going to be Jay Crowder.
0: Absolutely, he I was just thinking that.
1: Absolutely murdered the Bucks last year in the mm-hmm. bubble when he was with the Miami Heat. And as I said earlier, you know, the Bucks' their main priority on defense is to take away the rim Mm -hmm. and they give up a lot of threes you know this has been talked about a lot over the last couple years and has been discussed as a reason why the bucks have gotten out and it certainly was a reason last year yeah and you know Jay Crowder he has been on fire in the Clippers series right and uh he's gonna need to keep hitting yeah again and he's also gonna be one of the primary defenders on Giannis uh if he returns so you know on both sides of the floor Jay Crowder is gonna need to be locked in Mm-hmm. You know, uh, make sure he doesn't get into foul trouble, you know, make sure he's hitting his shots, Uh, getting him in rhythm. That's going to be key to the Suns for winning this if they want to win this series.
0: Yeah, he's also the only player on either side of the court who has finals experience, mm-hmm. which is really strange. Ooh, that's but crazy. I know it is pretty wild with all the big names on the floor for him to be the only one who's played a finals game is pretty nuts. And I, I can't I can't say if he's going to have like a veteran impact in that way, but definitely doesn't hurt. Another player for the Suns that I think will have to perform well in a similar role is Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably going to get some Giannis responsibilities, but him continuing to hit open shots. I mean, like you said with PJ Tucker, you need to add something. And that's definitely not the only thing Bridges does on offense, but it's the best thing he does on offense. And this season, he's been on fire. If he can keep that up, too. I mean, honestly, if, if him and Jay Crowder are both hitting threes and playing great defense... That's the best wing duo in the league, just in terms of role players. Mm, Yeah. You know what I mean? For for non-stars to have those two guys playing incredible defense, just like grit, hustle, determination, and, you know, being snipers on the outside, you really could not have a much better role player wing duo. Yeah.
1: Honestly, you could mention just for an X-Factor, just the entire Phoenix Suns wing rotation. Cam Johnson included. Cam Johnson, Torrey Craig as well. Yep. Um, you know, all those guys, right, good two-way players who can hit shots, yep. right, if they are hitting shots, and again, they are going to be, you know, them and Aiton, right, those are going to be the guys tasked with, you know, stopping Giannis at the rim yep, and
0: stopping him from getting to the rim, uh, more importantly. Oh, God, it pains me to see a team with such good wing rotations <laughs> when you compare that to the Celtics who have just two wings, but yeah, so those are our X-Factors. Key matchups, we kind of dug into them, but I think the Crowder Giannis matchup. I mean, if Giannis is not 100%, I feel like we might see him be a little hesitant. Again, this really just depends on how he feels, but a big thing with him coming off this knee injury is going to be confidence. Mm -hmm. Will he feel good jumping off two feet and landing underneath the basket? Will he still be as high flying as he is supposed to be um, and as dominant around the rim? Again, a lot of that could be mental, and I feel like Jay Crowder is the Perfect antithesis for like getting locked in because he's someone who can really just mess with your game. And if he's getting physical with Giannis and making him feel pressure, that really could impact his game and limit um, his recovery. So I think that's a pretty big matchup. Obviously, Drew Holiday on Chris Paul, presumably. Mm-hmm. I bet you will see some Drew on Devin Booker. Yep. Um, but the biggest mismatch, honestly, might be whoever is guarding Devin Booker on the Bucks. Because I, I I don't know I mean like Chris is a great defender but yeah he's not as good as he used to be no and he's he's not like he's not elite no, he's not he's a Devin good. Booker type defender yeah no you know like for something for something about that matchup just really makes me nervous for them I feel like unless Devin Booker is not hitting shots like he should probably win Finals MVP assuming the Suns win this series
1: yeah I agree I think for me the biggest um, you know matchup uh, that I'm looking at and possibly an even greater mismatch is uh at the end of the bench um monty versus bud you oh know, yeah <laughs> we have talked a yeah. lot about you know bud's playoff struggles again this year last year right like that that the fact that net series won seven games i think a lot of that has to
0: do with him you know but and also we talked about that if if katie you know wasn't stepping on the line, I feel like Bud would have been fired this offseason oh, he, he based, on his, based on his performance.
1: Right? And, um, again, I don't even think he did a great job coaching in that Hawk series either, right? So mm-hmm. uh, that is something, you know, you're going to have to look out for, you know, who is going to be able to optimize their talent, especially without your star player. You know, obviously it goes to your two and three guys mostly, but your coach has to step up, you know, in when your star player is out. Mm-hmm. He's got to, you know, run some plays, run extra plays for Bryn Forbes, you know, to get him cooking, get all those bench guys. Again, you talked about Bobby Portis. It's got to be Bud's responsibility to get Bobby Portis the ball in spots where he feels comfortable to score mm-hmm. and start getting him going, right? Again, all all that, you know, the players have to cooperate too, but the Bucks need a high-level game plan if they're going to go out and compete without, you know, a top five player in the NBA. Mm-hmm.
0: 100 percent so with all that in mind give me your prediction and in how many games i think the phoenix suns got this in six games
1: okay um again i think uh if Giannis wasn't hurt i would still say phoenix i'd say phoenix in seven yeah but um i I just i I like the there's too many matchups i like that the suns have Mm -hmm. you know and i just don't trust drew and chris to perform consistently over an entire playoff series. They just have not shown that they can be consistent throughout the series. And, you know, the Suns have shown that they are, they have that level of consistency that you're really looking for. And they have such a collective, high collective IQ. Mm -hmm. And that is one of my biggest problems with Milwaukee is I just don't think their team has a very high collective IQ. You know, I don't necessarily think even, you know, Chris Milton or Giannis, they're, they're not... Super high IQ guys, and you know when you get to this level of a game, when you get to the finals, you know every single little detail needs to be mapped out and you know thought out before you execute, right? And I I just trust in the
0: Suns to do that and execute at a high level more than I trust the Bucks to do that. Yeah, I mean, the Giannis injury definitely derails my my convictions a little bit, but I'm gonna go Bucks and seven. And I'm going to say this mainly because I think that Giannis will look 100% by Game 2. I feel like given how he's progressing and the fact that he was doubtful for Game 6 of last series, I'd really be surprised if he's that hindered late in the series. And again, assuming they handle his injury properly and he's not overly taxed, he should play better and better as the series goes on, as he gets more comfortable with his knee um, and gains confidence in it. I feel like he's going to ramp up his play getting into the end of the series. But honestly, a lot of this goes back to what we talked about earlier with the size advantage. If Giannis plays well and Brooke Lopez plays well, like he did in, what was it, game five? Or game, I mean, game, yeah, game five. Game five when he had like 33 points. Yeah. I think that he's, he. I didn't talk about it too much, but he's definitely an X factor. I'm going to be honest. It's really hard for me to say that the Bucks are going to win the series because everything that you said, I do not disagree with. I think that Bud's going to get out coached. I think that the Suns will be a little bit more composed. And I think that they have more veteran IQ and just more basketball IQ in general. They have better decision makers at the guard position. But um, honestly, I- I'm just putting all my eggs in one basket with Giannis. And I think he's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone on the Suns. Like, Jay Crowder is going to have to, you know, like, pull out something out of his ass <laughs> oh, to really yeah. just like stick with Giannis for a seven game series so yeah I, th- I think that the Bucks are just gonna just out out defend
1: and they have Giannis they, they have that, yeah, they that have is what Giannis. makes it hard for me to pick against Milwaukee yeah. is you know how many times you know do we see the team that doesn't have the best player mm-hmm. right or like again no like the Bucks cl- very clearly have the best player in the series you know when is the last time a team lost a series when they had an extremely clearly the best player and yeah. not, you know, again, you'd look at the Lakers and LeBron losing this round, but they, again, with no AD, it's not an, even a matchup, right? Yeah. So, with still the rest of his supporting cast around him, it's hard to say.
0: And, I mean, it, juxtapose that with the statement that I, I wouldn't say the Suns have a top 10 player in yeah, the Yeah, I don't think they don't. And, honestly, this is a little bit, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think that the fact that the Suns couldn't put the Clippers away quicker, its it didn't – I'm not going to say it was, like, fraudulent uh, on them to, like, let them stay in it, but the Clippers probably should have been done in five without Kawhi. hmm And they really gave Phoenix a run for their money. Yeah. Devin Booker I struggled. Agree. Chris Paul struggled. Um, who's to say that Devin Booker isn't spotty game to game? Again, I mean, he lives and dies by his jump shot in some games, and that could hurt him. Mm-hmm if Chris Paul has an off night, I mean, we saw that night when they didn't shoot. Well, they got smoked. It was ugly. It was ugly. And that's really like the crux of their game. If those two players aren't shooting, well, they're not going to have a fun time. Obviously they have shooters all over the floor, but their offense, you know, lives and dies with the the shots that Devin Booker and Chris Paul are taking. And who better to defend them than the bucks. Again, even though we expect some mismatches, I feel like this is going to be the best defensive team. The Suns have seen, or will see all playoffs um and definitely the best individual defender in drew holiday i would say that they've seen right like i don't think anyone in the west is as good i mean they face anthony davis for three games okay i'm talking about at the guard spot oh like, yeah for, okay, for yeah, chris yeah, for paul sure. and Devin booker like they're not gonna get a tougher matchup um in this in this playoffs than they will with drew holiday so for that reason honestly i would go back and say that he's a huge x factor because if drew holiday gets cooked like they're done you know, <laughs> Yeah. know like, they need him to be worth all the first round picks mm-hmm. they traded this off and then some. Um, but if he can do that and Giannis can play basketball, it, like people got to stop disrespecting the Bucks, dude. I mean, the fact that Phoenix is favored in the series I think is n- not surprising given all that we've discussed and the injuries. But at the same time, like the Bucks have been so dominant for so long, and it's not by accident. And if they can just put it all together for a few games, I think they have a shot.
1: Yeah. I can't, I, I'm so excited for this series. As we, you know, there are so many different plot lines mm-hmm. that I'm interested. In. Again, we listed out what, you know, five, six X-Factor players, three, four matchups that we're super interested in. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is it's going to be exciting and such an unpredictable finals. Yeah. So glad, you know, two teams that, you know, Suns never won a finals in franchise history. It's been mm-hmm. 50 years now, you know, to the year since Milwaukee has won a
0: championship. Excited to see. I also love how it's two small market teams that kind of just developed organically. Uh, Phoenix is not a small market, but I, I know what you're uh, going
1: uh, at. They're not like a big
0: market, though, are Sixth they? biggest like, city in the United States. Sixth biggest city, but where's their franchise value? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Like, yeah, and I mean, Phoenix might be a big city, but these are two low-profile NBA teams mm-hmm, for yeah. the better part mm-hmm. of NBA history. And they really have vaulted into contention simply through drafting well and developing chemistry together. You know, like this is a Bucks tandem that's been together since 2014, back when they were the worst team in the league. Um, and to come full circle six years later with a chance to win a championship is pretty special. Same goes for the Suns. I mean, plenty of years of struggle with Devin Booker on the mm-hmm. roster, plenty of failed experiments. Um, Didn't make the are. playoffs. You know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2014. Yeah. Right? First yeah. year back in the playoffs. Or no, no, since 2010. 2010, since 2010 yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's gonna be a great finals, and although you know like there's no LeBron, there's no Steph Curry, um, it might be you know better viewed than last season with it those big games. Yeah, yeah. I mean the play the rest of the playoffs have been so I see no reason why it shouldn't be. But with that being said, um, we will be back in a few days, probably you know after game two or three mm-hmm. with a mid series recap, and uh, we'll see if we've changed our opinions. But until then, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you soon.